This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Yo yo yo! Welcome to the Bonfire Podcast here with Andrew Herzog. If you if you you might notice, maybe my voice sounds a little different. Maybe I sound a little stuffed up or a little more nasally. There's a reason for that. It's I'm not feeling too well. Not feeling too hot right now. But let me tell you, that shows my dedication <laughs> to the show that even when I'm not feeling my best, uh, I'll still come on because there are things we got to talk about. We got to talk about the important things, movies, travel, food, although I've yet to really dive into a food subject, but rest assured that will come, you know, one thing at a time. Everybody, I just got back from a wonderful and... Fantastic experience in New York City. As you all listened to the previous podcast, you got to hear Keith Malinek and Jeff Fisher give their reasons why they don't really like the city. As you all noticed, I also shot down with brilliant rhetoric all their arguments. I said, that doesn't apply. That has nothing to do with me. You are over-exaggerating and or that is ridiculous. So, sorry boys. I don't know what else to tell you. This is coming from the guy who just got back and is now feeling kind of sick. Okay, obviously New York did that to me, but I still had a good time, and we're going to cover one thing first. The first thing is Captain America Civil War. That was a fabulous movie, great movie, and I say that with all the excitement that you could possibly understand, muster. My voice, my energy levels may not sound like it, but let me tell you, solid movie. I gave it five logs, <laughs> and what am I talking about? If you go to the Bonfire website, bonfirethoughts.com, and check out the article that I wrote, movie review, Captain America, choose a side. You'll notice at the very top, there is a picture there of the Bonfire logo. Now registered with the U.S. Patent Office, by the way. Registered logo. I have five golden logs down at the bottom. You know, that's the fire. It, all movies will now be rated on a system of one to five. Five being the best, one being terrible. And the number of logs will correspond to that rating. So, Captain America Civil War gets all five logs. That is a bonfire seal of approval first. You know, bonfire recommends movies and TV shows and foods, things of that nature. And then sometimes will not approve of them. This does get the seal of approval. And also this new measuring system that I am uh, premiering in this article. So, without further ado, why is Civil War awesome? Here, several reasons. Number one, a solid and novel script. Number two, great action. Number three, the perfect drama-comedy balance. And number four, some new characters. So, one by one, we're going to go through these bad boys. Civil War is definitely a higher caliber movie than Batman vs. Superman. I also wrote a review on that on Bonfire, and you can check it out. The plot and character development in Batman vs. Superman left something to be desired 
and the conflict between the two superheroes arose out of ignorance. They each thought the other was more dangerous until Batman pulled a strange 180 at the end. That was awkward. Civil War, on the other hand, was centered around a more understandable conflict. Ultimately, all the Avengers are good people. Each one wants what's best for humanity, and each one is fighting the good fight. Unfortunately, as is the case with all war, there is collateral damage, and some believe putting the Avengers in check will help prevent more of this unnecessary destruction. The dilemma becomes one of responsibility and accountability. Conflict arises out of the debate of who should have ultimate oversight, the government or the Avengers. So, Batman versus Superman, you had two superheroes who were just ignorant, both thinking the other one was more evil or just terrible for humanity, and they tried to take each other out. And as I pointed out in the article, the, the fight was about five minutes. Then it was over. And Batman just said, oh, okay, I guess we're friends. So I didn't like the plot development in that movie. I thought it was all right. The setup, there was a lot of setup, a lot of lead-in. All the previews made it look great. And then Batman and Superman dropped the ball. Civil War, not so much. All the previews looked fantastic. And I thought the movie delivered. That was a guy who came into the movie with high expectations. And I actually got them. That's kind of rare. You should never do that. Never go to the movies with high expectations because there's every chance that it will fall short and then you'll be disappointed and your entire feeling of the movie will be tainted. So if you go in ignorant or with low expectations, you could be pleasantly surprised. Well, luckily, Civil War was a pleasant surprise. Everything turned out great. It was Iron Man versus Captain America. Always interesting to see and that's why it was so unique. The first, you know, unique superhero movie we saw was The Avengers. That was unique because you had multiple superheroes all together on the screen at the same time. You'd either see the Superman movies or the Spider-Man movies or the Batman movies, okay? Avengers was the first movie that finally just pulled all numbers of superheroes together and said, all right, let's put them all on the screen all at the same time. That was powerful. The second novel idea was Batman versus Superman, Multiple superheroes, only two of them. Um, You know, the plot of the movie, only two. But they weren't fighting together, they were fighting one another. That was another novel idea. That's what drew me in to the movie theater. I said, wow, Batman fighting Superman. Okay, that sounds great. I've never seen that before. I'd love to see that. And it didn't turn out all that well, which was disappointing. So here's your third novel and original script idea, point number one. Here you had multiple superheroes not coming together to fight the bad guy, which now we've seen before. You had multiple superheroes coming together to fight each other. Oh, there it is. There's your unique little twist there. It kind of had a... It was a mix of the Avengers and Batman versus Superman. You had multiple superheroes coming together to fight one another. So, with you know, with that being said, that's why it was original and great, and it gave us some great action. My favorite scene... I would have to say, is, yeah, I mean, the airport, where all the Avengers come together and they come to blows at once. Definitely exciting to see Spider-Man taking on Captain America, and then Ant-Man ducking, uh, duking it out with Iron Man. I've never seen anything like that. And of course, the whole movie, there's a lot of lead-up, there's actually some legitimate debate and discussion. People know the issues, they say, hey, look, Iron Man, we can't do this. The safest hands are still our own. So, no, we can't hand over responsibility to the government. And then they're the ones that tell us where to go and who to save. That's ridiculous. And then Iron Man will say, well, hold up. It was our fault in the first place. And what's his face? Uh, Iron Man's friend. I don't know. He's got the stone on his head. I'm not a comic book geek, obviously. But he's a good character. 
This was Iron Man's old, you know, like electronic butler, and now he's an actual physical character. He says, uh, people make the argument that this evil has only shown up because we're here. Our ultimate power and influence that we have is just inviting evil, inviting fights to come here and, you know, pick a fight. So maybe we should kind of back down and try not to be such a beacon of strength and goodness because evil is going to find us. We're not out looking for it, but it's going to find us. And then there's going to be more collateral damage. And the people we're trying to save are actually going to die. So what do we do? Both sides had a legitimate argument. I thought, I said, okay, this is a deeper movie than just, oh, Batman, Superman, yeah, 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 fighting over it. No. Actual debate and thought saying, okay, what's the best course of action? Yes, people have died, but we've saved countless more. If we weren't here, the Earth would be doomed. People would say, well, if you weren't here, the Earth wouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. So back and forth. People pick sides, and that draws the audience in. That makes them think, hmm, who would I be? And, of course, that's why you always have the hashtag Team Captain America or hashtag Team Iron Man. It just, it's, it's fun to kind of pick a side just like you would in any sporting event and say, that's my team. That's who I agree with. That's who I'm for. That's who I'm rooting for. So it pulls you in. That's what I like. Great action, as always, in these Marvel movies. Always a lot of fun. And where am I? It had the perfect balance of comedy and drama, something that's very important to me. You may have noticed, some of you, on the Facebook page for Bonfire, I wrote a very, very quick review of Star Wars The Force Awakens. That's because, at that point, the entire world was giving its opinion, and I thought, well, I'm not really going to get into much, don't need to, just need to spit these bullet points out. One of the bullet points that I pointed out was, I thought it was just, it tried too hard to be funny. Something happened with the Transformers episodes. Movies, maybe two, three, and four. There's a fine line between genuine humor and you're really just trying to get a laugh. And it's stupid. The writers know what they're doing. They They know they're either writing something legitimately funny or they're really just trying to make the audience giggle. And that's cheap. That's lame humor, if you ask me. So in Star Wars, The Force Awakens, there was a lot of weak attempts at humor, I thought. And it just happened. So I was like, oh, okay, wait a minute. I thought I was watching Star Wars, not Galaxy Quest. And now that I think about it, it also happened in the latest James Bond movie, Spectre. I was watching it thinking, wait a minute. I thought I was watching James Bond, not Get Smart. These movies aren't comedies. You can have some... Comedic moments, comic relief, but that's different. You don't need to weigh it down and go overboard. So luckily, in Captain America's Civil War, I thought it was a great balance. Various, uh, yeah, various serious situations, lots of emotions. You feel anger, you feel sad, you feel happy, and then you have a little bit of humor, you know, put in the right moments. That's what separates a great movie from a good movie. And that's why Civil War gets the great movie description from Bonfire. Moments where you thought, Ugh, wow, things are pretty terrible, or you're getting kind of emotional, you'd have a little joke. And it was a legitimate, you know, laughter moment. You'd smile and say, huh, that was funny. I like that. <laughs> so, great job, writers of Captain America Civil War. Bonfire approves. And finally, Civil War introduced new characters like Spider-Man and Black Panther to the Marvel mix. Both are great additions, and soon they will star in their own respective movies. 
I think I will see both of those. So we, I, I know Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. That's the one I grew up with in the movies. I only saw the first one, I think, The Amazing Spider-Man with, uh, what's his face? Garfield. Andrew Garfield. I did not see the second one. I'm trying to think. I think I saw the first one with Andrew Garfield. But he never really struck me as Spider-Man. I've always had Tobey Maguire stuck in my head. But this new kid, whoever he is, I forget his name, the new Spider-Man they picked, he's a, he's a great pick. Great kid. So when he gets his spin-off movies himself, I'm going to go see those. Those look good. And Black Panther, new character, new actor. I've never seen him before. I said, wow, I, that's pretty interesting. I like it. I like it when Marvel introduces these kind of new characters. And I'd never seen Ant-Man before, the movie, but when I saw him in Captain America Civil War, it piqued my interest. And I said, okay, maybe he's not too geeky. He's not too outrageous. When I saw the previews for Ant-Man, I said, what the hell is that? Who's going to go see that? Well, I, th- I think apparently he did all right at the box office. They're going to make another one. And uh, he seemed funny and also intimidating in this movie, Captain America Civil War. So I thought, okay, maybe I, I misunderestimated you. I don't know who you are, but now maybe I should go watch your movie, Ant-Man. So there you go. All in all, Bonfire highly recommends the movie. And in case you were wondering, I am Team Captain America. I would much rather have the Avengers in charge than the government. There you go. Come on. Is there really a question there? You want the UN telling the superheroes, the Avengers, what to do? I don't think so. As Captain America points out, the safest hands are still their own. I totally agree. And that is the nature of war, that there's collateral damage. You absolutely avoid it as much as you can for anybody to look out who's not in the fight and says, hey, that guy over there died. Those people over there were hurt. You suck. That makes no sense. Shut up! Let the Avengers save the world as best they can. They need to be in charge. They're not dangerous. There's a system of checks and balances. They're all different people. You see that in the movie, which I thought was great. They're not all single-minded. They don't all agree. That's what's great about it. You have to have those checks and balances. When it's just Batman versus Superman, that's one man versus one man. They each had their opinion, and they fought over it out of ignorance. In Civil War, you had this team that has come together to say, okay, we're all here to save the world, and we're all doing the best we can, but now should we have ultimate responsibility, or should we hand it over to the UN and check ourselves, make sure we're doing the right thing? They had a legitimate debate. They did fight over it, but I want them in charge. They would check themselves. No way would every single superhero in the Avengers all agree, yeah, you know what, let's take over the world. We'll be in charge. We're going we're gonna to be evil villains. No, not going to happen. That is not how the comic book world works. I don't know. I haven't read a single book, but I don't care. These movies are great. So there you go. On the other side, I'm going to get into some of the New York adventures that I got to have, and I'm going to get into that right up next. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. 
The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. This is The Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, so like I said, I just got back from New York. In case you didn't notice my voice, at least I feel it's a little more nasally. It's maybe higher pitched. I My throat hurts. Yeah, not a good time. But luckily, during my entire New York vacation, I was not sick. Felt perfect. Felt perfectly fine. It wasn't until I was on the plane on the way home that I thought, hmm, something's going on. Uh, hope I'm not getting sick. But, you know, I'd rather have that. Absolutely. If I had to get sick, I'd much rather have it after the fact than at the beginning of the trip. That would suck. If on the plane up to New York I started feeling sick, that would be terrible. I've had that experience before. I'm on the plane on the way to Switzerland with my family. I started feeling sick. I said, this sucks. Unbelievable. Of all of all the times that I could have gotten sick, that year, that month, whatever, it had to be as we're making the trek over to Europe. And when I was over there, I did nothing but sit in the hotel, in the bed, for days. So, yeah, huge bummer. That was terrible. <laughs> of course, I felt bad for my parents because they paid me to go all the way over there. They paid for the flight, I mean. And they paid for the hotel and the food, and they just wanted to have fun with the family. And then I got sick, so it was terrible, and I still feel bad about it to this day. So, at least that didn't happen here in New York. Yeah, I went to New York with my roommates. Good times. Good times. Those of you who know me, you know that I, I like to travel. I like to get out with friends. And I also like to go by myself to different places. I've been to New York a number of times by myself. And I wander around, get my food, get my booze, <laughs> go to Irish pubs, sit and watch sports, go back to the hotel, uh, whip open my laptop, sit there and watch some home improvement, fresh prints at night as I'm falling asleep, wake up the next day, and just go find food. And, of course, I'd do other things. I'd go on helicopter rides over Manhattan. I'd go down to the 9-11 Memorial just to be down there and say that I visited it. I would go all the way up to Central Park. I'd walk around. Did all that jazz by myself. So now it was different to be able to go with friends and say, hey, one of them hadn't even been there before. So I felt like almost a native, even though I'm totally not. <laughs> totally a fish out of water. I said, hey, pff, I know what's going on. Come over here. Let me show you. And this was the first. I got to ride bikes around Central Park. That was fun. Got to go further north than I'd ever been before on Manhattan. Then the next day I got to do a nice little walk through Central Park before breakfast. Then I went to go eat. Plenty of pizza, plenty of sit-down restaurants, fancy food, and Long Islands, and what else? A Bellini at an uh, Italian restaurant. Good stuff. Got on the harbor cruise where, you know, it's a touristy you know, tour. They're just saying, hey, here's all the highlights. And you get to go out on the Hudson in the east and you ride the boat. So that was fun to be able to do that again. Great views. And uh, for those of you on Facebook who like the page, you probably saw Bonfire Productions was live on Facebook. Yeah, that's where I put the videos. It was fun to be able to, you know, share that and say, yep, here's the skyline. Here's the Brooklyn Bridge. There's the Statue of Liberty. There's Ellis Island. Here's a great sunset. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. Good stuff. Freezing. You'd be surprised. It was in May 
and it would dip down into the low 60s, high 50s. That's insane. I hate the cold. Luckily, I brought enough clothes. So, in general, I was pretty warm. It worked out. Got to go to a Broadway show. I went to go see Phantom of the Opera. I had been familiar with the story. I don't think I'd seen any of the movies. I'd seen the Wishbone episode, though. Fun fact. But I don't really remember it. So I went to Broadway saying, okay, sure, let's go see Phantom of the Opera. That sounds like a classic. Let's, let's go see it and have fun. About two and a half hours, I think, with an intermission, typical play. But the effects, the singing, the actors, the environment, oh, it's perfect. Absolutely fantastic. Definitely going back to New York. And when I do, I'm going to go to another Broadway show. It's classic. Fun times. Walked through Times Square. Walked all the way down to... Not Main Street, Wall Street. Went to the Trinity Church, which is at the corner of uh, Wall Street and Broadway. We just did lots of stuff. Central Park, like I said. I was going to do a helicopter ride, but I decided to save that money so that I could go eat at a restaurant on Wall Street. So I felt like uh, big money. Now I have to pay the price. Paying off my credit card. One thing at a time. So, overall, yes, lots of fun with roommates. Making lifelong memories with uh, friends. And just travel experiences, see the world. You got to see all the people that were there, all the different visitors and tourists, people from Russia, New Zealand, just there to see what New York has to offer. Plenty of food, Broadway shows, tours, Central Park, a lot of history. Went to the American Gangster Museum for a couple hours. It was just interesting that there's so much history there. It's crazy. I'm not a history buff, but I really do enjoy Going to museums. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I forgot. I went to the Natural, uh, not History Museum. I guess it was. The the American Museum of Natural History. Yes, I went there. I went there twice. I went there, like, Sunday afternoon, and I went to the dinosaurs. I had to go see that, absolutely. And I wandered around. Next thing we knew, it was time to go off to our next event. Uh, I wasn't ready. So I said, okay, well, I'm coming back tomorrow morning. So I did. Came back. And the good thing is you pay whatever you want. They, they have a suggested price of $22, which is not that bad. But you could walk up and say, today's visit, eh, it's worth $10. Here's $10. And then they let you in. You could be a complete cheap, cheapy, whatever you want to call it, and pay a dollar. But come on, do five, ten at least. Okay, That's what helps keep those doors open so you go there and read and learn, have a good time. Uh, so the first time I went with the friends and the second time I went by myself. So I was able to go, you know, where I wanted and stay at whatever station and whatever floor I wanted for as long as I could and read at my own pace. I like that. Then I got to balance that out with going to a nice restaurant, Tavern on the Green. Then we'd go see Broadway. We'd go walk around and explore. We'd go find more food. We'd take a quick nap back at the hotel. Great times. Watch a little TV, some of the, uh, sports, basketball, hockey, everything was going on at that time. And, of course, the Dallas Stars lost. Oh, well, we, we, put it, we put it all the way to the end. Look at that. Game 7, which, yes, we lost pretty bad. But we put up a good fight. Not bad, boys. Not bad. Maybe next year. So, there you have it. There's the New York experience in a nutshell. I took lots of pictures. I prefer to actually keep my phone in my pocket. That's something that I do. Obviously, if it's a moment that I cannot pass up. I'll take my phone out of my pocket, snap a picture, but I'll be quick to put it right back in my pocket and be in the moment and look where I am and and, and live the experience rather than trying to take pictures of it to see later. I'd rather see what's right in front of me. Went to the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island. Oh, it was great. Fantastic. I've never been there. Never been to those islands. And yeah, I felt very touristy, but 
when you go there, you got to see that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely worth it. So, on the other side, I'm going to get into how I got up there and why that's such a problem for me. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Fox Sexton. I'm a professor of astrophysics, and I would like to weigh in here on this subject on which I have expertise. You hope that's what the comment section is, or if you're the author, I'm giving you a little peek behind the curtain here. If you're the author, you hope it's, that was a great piece, and I really feel like you, you know, did a good job, or even if it's a clip, you know, well done. But usually it's, you know, I hate your face and you're stupid. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. The Bonfire. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, as I've said here before on the show, I'm not a huge fan of flying. Not one bit. Not at all. Sit down, Joe. Not at all. My parents, my dad was a commercial pilot. Pretty much been flying since he was 16 years old, and I believe he had his pilot's license before he had his driver's license. So that shows you how much of an air geek he is. My mom was a flight attendant for years, for decades. And, uh, you know, they're both retired. But they had no problem being in the air. So it's ironic that one of their children, yours truly, has a problem with it. I don't know why. I never did as a child. It wasn't until the past year or two that it just gets under my skin. And I'm not entirely sure why. It, it's just... I, I, I get frightened. I'm scared. I'm up there and I'm thinking, I'm in the air. If this plane explodes, I'm screwed. If the power dies, I'm screwed. Whatever. I don't know. It makes no sense to me. It's just a phobia. One of the few that I have. It's not the height. I can go up into a skyscraper, no problem. I've climbed trees before that are high. Rock climbing I've done before. Don't care. Heights is not the problem. It's just, it's the idea of being in a plane. I think it's maybe the fact I'm not in control. I'm just a passenger who has to sit there and whatever the hell happens, I have to just take it. There's nothing I can do. Not a thing. If I had a parachute, I'd say, oh, okay, I'd be fine. This plane could snap in half, but I could just undo the seatbelt, pop open this parachute, and I'm fine. So I, I don't know. It's I'm still wrapping my mind around it. There's really no reason for it. Of course, I, uh, I make it much worse when I'm on the internet and I find like oh, this article here from the independent the independent over in United Kingdom pilots revealed the terrifying things that happened to them that passengers have no idea about well that was a stupid thing for me to click on but I couldn't help it my curiosity was piqued and I said well this is this is a stupid choice but I guess I'm going to click on it okay great well as far as you can trust this kind of stuff it says one reddit user Asked pilots, what is the scariest moment of your career that passengers may have been oblivious to? So Reddit, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically just an online forum. It's a site where you can almost post anything. So here's one user who just says, hey, pilots, what's the scariest thing that has ever happened in your career that passengers had no idea? Assuming that the people who responded were in fact pilots and not just jack wagons who are like, I'm going to write something funny. Assuming that these are all true, this is why I don't like flying. And this just made it worse. So that was my own stupid, you know, mistake there. But let's go over those, shall we? A complete loss of electrical power. Yeah. 
Someone, the pilot of an Airbus 320, recalled the time his aircraft lost all electrical power mid-descent at 23,000 feet. The emergency lighting, the standby instruments, and all the screens went dark despite the plane being equipped with three backup generators. In his answer, he gave a terrifying analogy. Imagine driving at 100 kilometers an hour on a highway, and suddenly all your windows are covered up. You lose your speedometer and all electrical systems. There's no response from the brake or the accelerator. But you can still feel the car going. Wow. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your stupid answer. I guess if you get a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. So I already regretted reading this article when I found it, saying, Great! So you're telling me that crap like that happens and we don't know it? I mean, I I think we would, because... All the lights in the plane would shut down. The engines you'd hear turn off. I don't know. Anyway, that's one of the things that I am scared of. That what if we just lose power? This is still a machine. It's not perfect. Human beings still made it. So what if? Another one, toxic fumes contaminating the cockpit. In severe cases, cabin crew may have been hospitalized and pilots have had to use oxygen supplies, but the passengers are never told what is happening. Well, that's comforting. You two could be dying up in the cockpit and our lives are in your hands and you have some idiot passing out in the pilot seat and the other one's putting on the gas mask. That kind of stuff. Whatever. They say it's not really a problem. That stuff doesn't happen very often. But, hey, it only takes one time for you to be screwed. That's what's always in my mind. Yes... Millions of people fly every year, and everyone gets safely to their destinations. No one, no one's really dying from these malfunctions or weather, so calm down. I know. That doesn't make it any better. It's still in my head. Unconscious pilots. Hmm. Turbulence is not a threat to the aircraft. Okay, you can tell me that all you want, but I'm still scared. Don't care. Say that all you want. It's still in my head. But that doesn't mean passengers and pilots don't get injured. While flying through a patch of severe turbulence, a pilot of 12 years was knocked unconscious by his co-pilot's elbow. Great. What the hell was your head doing by his elbow? So, yes, turbulence, not fun. I've heard several times, yes, there is no scenario where turbulence, just a little rough weather, some rough air that's just kind of hitting the plane. There's no way that could bring down the plane or snap a wing off. Or any of this kind of stuff. We only tell you to buckle up and, you know, buckle down because we're worried that you're going to get flung across the airplane and into a wall and hurt yourself, and we don't want to get sued. Okay, still, not entirely comforting to be 30,000 feet in the air, and when you think it should be smooth, the plane is rocking back and forth, you can feel it twisting and turning, and you're saying, what the hell is this? Why? What is the point of this? Why am I up here? Why am I going where I'm going? Was this worth it? Was this worth it? goes through my head. Here's one. Volcanic ash clouds are far more dangerous than you may think. Okay, I know that. But I'm not really near any of that, so not a problem. A cockpit window fell out of its frame. Yes, this Reddit user said that happened after they landed. But think about that. Why did it come off? What the hell's going on? I don't care if it falls off before we take off during, or after. It's not designed to come off. It's a bloody window! It should be fastened down, just like the wings. If the stupid window comes out, how do I know the wing won't just pop off like that? Hmm? Because of rough turbulence? Hmm? That kind of crap? That's what I'm worried about. Idiots who are like, well, I'll just cut this corner. That's that's tight enough. This will be fine. I, I used enough glue. Whatever the hell you do. 
That's what I'm worried about. Crap like that that has no explanation and it just happens. That's what sucks. Of course, uh, the bomb threats, okay. It's scary too, but I just trust that the majority of humanity is not out to kill me or anybody. And we're all really just trying to get to our destination. So I just hope and pray that every flight I'm on, there's not some uh, butt munch who's trying to kill us. So, but let me tell you, <laughs> I mean, I've envisioned it before. If someone I saw was trying to do something on the plane, I questioned whether I'd have the guts to stand up and, you know, tackle them, do my part to save the plane. Because that'd be pretty terrifying for me to be up in the air, completely helpless, and something might blow up the plane, someone might shoot someone, whatever. I don't know. I've wrestled with that thought before. I'm not sure what I would do. But you could avoid that altogether and just not get on the plane, which I've considered doing. But usually the positives far outweigh the negatives. The negatives is, you know, an uncomfortable flight for one to three hours. You know, the, uh, the, the security lines that you have to go through, getting to the airport early and keeping track of your luggage and either you check it or you walk on with it. It's very tiring. And you're around all these people. They've been from all over the world. You could easily get sick if someone accidentally sneezed in your face or, you know, you were gripping the handrails and the chairs and all of a sudden you pick your nose and you're like, well, that was stupid. Now, whatever the hell, whatever this has been on today is now in my nose or it's now in my mouth or it's now in my eye. That's my only explanation for why New York has probably affected me the way that it has. I started getting sick on the way home, probably because I rode the subway, was touching all sorts of car doors and, you know, doors to buildings and shaking people's hands, whatever the heck I was doing, and then decided, I'm going to rub my eye right now. And then as soon as I did it, I realized, uh uh-oh, this is a dirty hand. This has been all over New York today, so whatever. I guess that's part of the game. You go to New York, you got to be prepared to wash your hands frequently. And don't lick the bottom of your shoe. That's a, that's a good rule of thumb there. Near misses with other aircraft in the air? Okay. I, th- I would think that'd be such a rare occurrence because air and space is so vast. You'd have enough time and you'd be generally aware of, hmm, let me just dip the plane a little bit more. I could probably dodge that that guy over there. I don't know. But when they say things like, hmm, yeah, it's happened to me before. Air traffic control gets it wrong sometimes. There's some very near misses. I just... You have instruments to help avoid that. So it should be pretty... Pretty definitive. That kind of crap should never happen. Whatever. Near misses on the runway. Okay, Eh, that's understandable. But I'm not really too worried about that. I'm on the ground. Chances of a plane hitting our plane? Minimal. And if it does hit us, it'd be like someone else who's taxiing, and they clip the wing. Then we just get off and find a new plane. Okay. And then another pilot says he flew into torrential rain and lost all vision. Another thing I'm worried about is the weather. I know the weather is the one that causes turbulence, so that's why I would always like to avoid it. And if it's a day that, hmm, there's going to be a lot of weather, most of the time I will postpone, or I'll go a day earlier and then just eat the hotel bill. Because I don't want to fly through the weather. And when it's out of my control and I thought, oops, I had no control this time, I'm going to have to fly through that, I brace myself. And it's not fun. And even they know that. They say, hey, we can lose all vision. Yes, we still have our instruments. But we still prefer to look out the window and be able to see what's going on. And a turbulence is the problem. That's what I don't like. So there you have it. Finding stupid articles online that reinforce your phobias. 
that's stupid. But I did it. Oops. Oh, well. So, like I said, the positives usually outweigh the negatives, so I will still be flying for the foreseeable future. Doesn't mean I'm going to enjoy it, but Lord knows I'm still going to do it because I do like to travel. Once I land, oh, I'm eternally grateful. As soon as we get off the plane, oh, it's fantastic. I go straight for the food, and I say, all right, give me something. Give me a hefty sandwich. Give me a burger. Give me something hefty. I'm going to chow that thing down, and I'm going to wash it down with a beer, and I'm going to move on with my day. So there you go. That is the good life right there. All right, so interestingly enough, as last week as I interviewed Keith and Jeffy, uh, they, we kind of went off on a tangent for a little bit, and I saved that audio for the next segment, for the final segment of the Bonfire Podcast this week. So, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy Keith and uh, Jeffy talking about all sorts of junk on the next uh, segment. I was about to say semester. On the next segment. So please remember, find Bonfire on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and of course the main website, bonfirethoughts.com. My name is Andrew Herzog, and I am out. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Supposedly there is a sport that is competitive endurance tickling. For two grand an hour. Have five guys like straddling you, tickling you, your shirt off, them filming it, and you know it's going to be on the internet. They're not like naked or anything, right? No, but they've got like boy shorts on and like uh, wife beaters. Yeah, I'm not liking that, but two grand, yeah, I'm in. I'm down with that, yeah. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Bonfire on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. On the microphone. One, two. Hola. Skin on skin. Do you like the levels? Dude, what's wrong with your head? (laughs) You're just now asking? That's what she said. It's a scar. Dude, what's wrong with your head? It's a scar. <laughs> okay, what happened to you? I fell off a ladder when I was six years old. Oh, quit turning your head, turn it around so I can see it. I have to look at both of you. Did, no, you don't. Turn the other way. This is radio, dude. You're not a, thank you. <laughs> this was radio. It's radio. Turn around, radio. I want to see your scar. There. <laughs> How many times you have been told So that? were you were you on the Ooh, ladder nice. with parental assistance, or did you just sneak off and climb it? The ladder was in the living room, and the parents were gone. I climbed on top of it and fell off. Your parents should be sent to jail for leaving a ladder sure in the living room with your kids being It was a decorative ladder. <laughs> a decorative ladder? What is a decorative <laughs> oh, sorry, ladder? Sorry, Mr. Hoyt. You're not supposed to get on top of it. Wait a minute. You're talking about living on the right side of the tracks. His family was so well-to-do, they had a ladder for decoration. It sounds like a white trash decoration. Ladder. You know, a we ladder. had a decorative chair to sit on. Mm. We didn't have any chairs to sit on. We had a decorative 19-inch black and white TV that had to be turned on and Back off. Back in my day, okay. we used a rope ladder, and we liked it. Did you have, have a no decorative rope Job ladder? Yeah. <laughs> um, High quality. Yep. Uh, I just <laughs> bought a ladder. Actually, last weekend, I bought a ladder. Decorative ladder? I literally compared the length of my neighbor's ladders and then took that information to go to Home Depot and buy a ladder. an extension ladder? I got an extension ladder, 28 feet I settled on. And the reason I have to buy a ladder in the first place is because of the shoddy craftsmanship of the house that I bought. Um, Because when it rains really heavily, the rock, the rock gathers water, sucks it in, 
and then decides to deposit it into the nicest room in the house. You know, the room that no one goes into, right? And so when you go in there, you look up and you're like, wow, look at the paint. There's a big bubble the size of a baby's fist. How did that happen? It's a decorative bubble. A decorative bubble. So every six months, I now have to go up on this ladder that I paid over $300 for, spray rock sealant that I didn't even know existed before six months ago. I have to caulk around this decorative window that you it does not lead to anything. There is no what access to this attic above this room. Cock. The no. only thing that ever goes into that attic, a decorative attic, thank you very much. The only thing that ever goes in there is water. Uninvited precipitation. And so I have to waste my time and my money because the guy that built the house thought, A, we need a decorative window, and B, we need... Super absorbent rock. All this from a decorative ladder. I will say, though, moving to Texas, I did have to purchase, uh, I have an extension ladder, and I had to purchase another step ladder, which is like 20 feet or something like that, so I can change light bulbs. Thank you. And and that's even with the, I bought a light bulb extender. You know, the pole that you can reach up and take the screw the light bulbs out, and you can dust around stuff. You have to admit those those are cool to play nice. with, man. You know, nice. you get those things. And I actually I actually <laughs> found out I was I was using the ladder as I was using my pole extension. And I realized that with a little bit of help I could extend it another section that I didn't know existed before. You gotta twist you, it. Oh my god. You gotta okay. twist it. <laughs> you gotta be careful though. It, it'll fall over. And it'll take something out. But but you know what? My attic does not have any kind of ladder. Screw your decorative ladder. I can't even. I have to mine. take the step ladder up oh, the stairs, yeah, park no, it under the, the little cutout there right. so I can get up there and, and deal with the That's air conditioners. Bad. That's not good. And here's the problem. Why I don't keep, they have a ladder I there? I keep taking off the freaking thing and all the paint chips off. And so there's this little square of like chipped paint. Why above. do they not have a ladder there? This hasn't been helpful, Andrew. Are, were we supposed to be talking about something else? New York. Oh, New York. This yes. is a great segment for his stupid show. Are you kidding me? It is. Yeah, the bitching side. This is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network on demand. Oh.